Hello, my name is Tate Cornell, and I'm from Washington, and my parents won't let me listen to I Doubt It With Allmore because he f***ing cusses too much. <laughs> the following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Thalamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 674 of I Doubt It with Thalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly co-host of all of Podcast Land, Brittany Page, everybody. Jesse, how is your rage level today? Right now, mm-hmm. it is uh, mainline, normal, standard. So again, at this very moment, n- I mean, not super clear in terms of. <laughs> That's true. How yeah, that's true. high or low or Well can I can I talk about <laughs> my particular condition right now? Let's let's talk about your particular condition. So anytime that we go out in public now, mm-hmm. there is a contingent of fuckface oh. who doesn't have a mask covering their goddamn fuckface. Oh. And it makes me enraged. It makes me very fucking mad. Today, we went and picked up t- to-go food, takeout. Mm-hmm. Some takeaways. Some takeaways, as they would say, across the pond. Uh, would they say some takeaways? I don't know if that's the phrase. I think go pick up takeaway, I think. I don't fucking know. <laughs> anyway, there's a line. Also this. Most places have a very easy to understand system of what's going on. Mm-hmm. They they want to encourage order, mm-hmm. good order, with the social distancing. Yeah, with, with the, the mask here's wearing. the line. This right. is what the line is. This is where it starts. There's tape on the goddamn ground. It's very easy to determine what the setup is. Yeah, every setup is different, but yep. it's easy. Yeah. So, so it bothers me when there's just a congregation of dumb fucks who are just like milling around like confused cattle. And then there is the other contingent of the aforementioned fuck faces who refuse to cover their fuck face with a mask. Even when they go into the restaurant that clearly has posted, hey, if you're coming in, bro, mask up. Well, I, I actually, a lot of the businesses that I have seen, they are not saying that it's required. They're saying they recommend it. And so if you're saying it's recommended, people are going to wiggle out of that yeah, and they're I, not going to wear a mask. He, he, so I, I, I've been appreciating the videos that we're seeing where like the Costco thing that went viral where he yeah, says it's yeah. company policy. This is required. If you're not going to do it, then you need to leave. But it is required by the government of Orange County right now. Is it? That's my understanding. Yeah, well, then that's a different thing. I mean, they they should be wearing it. Would it be up to the 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 business, someone who's employed by the business, to enforce that rule? Yeah. See, that's the that's the tricky part. Is mm. these businesses are caught in a situation where they're going to be, you know, there's always this the customer's always right kind of an attitude, and no, no, they're not. They're fucking not. 
you pointed out today while we were standing in line that all of these people, they're being disrespectful of others. They're not. It's not that they're putting themselves at some extra risk. The main issue is that they're putting other people at risk. Right. The mask is more of a protectant against other for other people, not for you personally. Well, especially for the cloth coverings that people yeah. are wearing. So anyway, it just it's I'm re- I think I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did say it says it right on the fucking sign. I said it through my mask a little louder than I should have. He didn't hear me. But I'm uh, having a hard time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's best I just don't go out because we're going to encounter these morons. And listen, we have a high percentage of defiant Trump types here in Orange County, California. We just do. We Some of those photos that went viral of protests happened right here in Huntington Beach. Mm-hmm. The lady with the fucking live free or die sign in front of a Baskin Robbins that was downtown, like Main Street in Huntington. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely tough. I think I think one thing that would cross a line for me if I were to witness it is the abuse of essential workers that, that yeah. we've been seeing in viral videos, like the guy who was asked to put a mask on in the dollar store and then he wiped his nose all over the employee. Um, or, you know, just, just, you don't even need to do that, but just becoming antagonistic and hostile and aggressive when, when you're told to do something that really is not putting you out. I mean, listen, it's frustrating for me to wear a face mask because oftentimes it fogs up my glasses and it's really annoying and I have to like ensure that it's fitted down around my nose and like make sure that it's not fogging up my glasses, but who cares? Right? Just do it. it it's, it's fine. It's going to be a few minutes but while you shop, a, listen, while you're out, and then you go a, back home. It's a minor inconvenience for the benefit of others. Yeah, a minor inconvenience that, that you can handle, right? And it's, it's better than, it's better to just put it on, deal with the inconvenience for a yeah. few minutes, get about your business, than like ruining people's day, you know, by throwing a tantrum yeah. and getting angry and aggressive and in people's faces. It's just strange that this has broken down on partisan lines because the right Republicans, these idiots are just champing at the goddamn bit to f- inflame a culture war at any any moment about any topic. Well, and I, I actually saw this Huffington Post YouGov poll. They... Completed 1,000 interviews conducted between May 14th and May 16th among U.S. adults, and they used a sample selected from YouGov's opt-in online panel to match the demographics and other characteristics of the adult population in the United States. And what you're saying is true, that, that some of these issues related to masks break down along partisan lines. I also want to say... These videos that are going viral of people that refuse to comply with the new social norms. um, Like the lady at the Gelson's grocery store. That was also right here in Orange County. Right. Dana Point. Right. Refuse to cooperate with things that are just a matter of public health at this point. Those are outliers. Right. Because the majority of Americans support continued quarantine, support things opening slowly, and they support wearing masks. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of these numbers. So among those polled, 
say that deciding to wear a face mask is more a matter of public health than a matter of personal choice. And a 45% plurality say that they feel wearing a face mask protects the person wearing it and others equally. Mm Mm-hmm. With 31% saying it mostly protects others from germs the wearer may be carrying. And just 9% say it serves mainly to protect the person wearing it. And just 8% that it offers no benefit at all. <laughs> um, but <laughs> That must be all scientists in that part. <laughs> but let's talk, let's talk about the breakdown between Democrats and Republicans on those issues. So related to that question of do you think deciding whether or not to wear a face mask is more a matter of public health or a matter of personal choice... 76% of Democrats say it's a matter of public health versus 20% of Democrats saying it's a matter of personal choice. When it comes to Republicans, 51% say it's a matter of public health and 42% say a matter of personal choice. It's still so, a majority, though. Well, so on the issue of a matter of public health, yeah, like you're saying, 51%, but versus Democrats, 76% say yeah, this yeah, is yeah. a matter of public health. So you yeah. have more Democrats in support of that view that... Yes, wearing a face mask is in support of public health. I wonder what how the breakdown would be if they changed that. Not a matter of public health, but a matter of, of, of just basic human decency toward your fellow humans. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's it's alarming. It's distressing. It's it really it, it is. I use that specifically. It is. It stresses me out. You know, what what stresses you out? The non mask thing. Hmm. And look, I do realize, I'm glad you're reading these numbers because it does, it does color, it, it, it is, it is informing my view and my rage about the matter. Because when I see the video of the idiot at Gelson's, when I, when I see the, the protesters and, and the video of the guy in Costco, it, it really revs me up. But knowing that they are the outliers, you're right. They, those people are the outliers. And because it's so distressing and so alarming, they're going to get a lot of press. They're going to get a lot of clicks, but they are, uh, they're the, they're the exception. Mm-hmm. Most people are doing the right thing. Well, and I also want to talk about the issue of wearing the mask as a sign of respect versus a sign of weakness. Yeah. And you see this coming from Donald Trump, right? He has this intense resistance to wanting to wear a face mask. He was finally photographed today wearing a face mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was not preferable to him that he be photographed wearing one, again, because of the perception. That's so, it's just a fucking weird macho machismo. And that doesn't make any fucking sense. Well, and this, this also, there's numbers on this too, in this survey. So do you think it is a sign of weakness to wear a face mask when in public and near other people? Democrats, 7% say, yes, it is, versus 14% of Republicans who say the same. Democrats, 90% say, no, it is not. And 76% of Republicans say, no, it is not. So, you know, vast majorities on both sides there say it's not a weakness, but you still have 7% of Democrats, 14% of Republicans saying that it's a sign of weakness to wear a face mask in public. There should be a follow-up question. I know that's not how they operate with polls, but... There should be a follow-up of, so is it weak for a fucking surgeon to not to wear a face mask during surgery? Because the same principles apply here, dumb shits. He doesn't want to spread germs onto the person's open cavity that he's operating on. Or she, excuse me. 
Well, and a, uh, a majority, 63% of Americans, say that Trump and other government officials should wear face masks when they're in public and near other people. So, again, kind of coming back to this theme of when we see these videos of these people going viral, they're in the minority. They yeah. are not representing a majority viewpoint, even as far as Republicans go, right? Yeah, yeah. Four, 14% in this poll say, yes, it's a weakness to wear masks. And you have that guy go viral, right? <laughs> That's what I was just laughing Who about. talked about he'd rather be dead than a dork or something. Yeah, he'd rather, he's a Trump. Anybody can be a MAGA idiot on the internet these days and have a show. I, I don't, I've never heard of the guy, but he hosts apparently something called The Dilly Show. His last name is Dilly. Here's a very brief snippet of what he said. Prepare yourselves. It is remarkably, remarkably stupid. Be afraid. Wear your fucking mask. <laughs> Where's your mask, sir? Better to be safe than sorry. Better to be dead than a fucking dork. What? Yes. I mean that literally. I'd rather die than look like a fucking idiot like you do right now. You weakling. You don't need the mask. If you have a mask, take it off. There's something you can do with the mask, okay? This is what The Rock would have told you to do. You, you take the mask, you remove said mask, you take your mask, you turn that son of a bitch sideways, and you shove it straight up your candy ass. That's what you do with your mask. Fucking ridiculous. The numbers aren't there. It's not real. It's bullshit. You're just a big pussy who wears a mask, wearing those fucking maxi pads across your face like a fucking cuck. Oh. <laughs> oh, he threw the cuck in there. Oh, so he's one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, clearly he's one of those guys. What I love about these guys is they they most certainly do not fit the traditional, uh, what would be considered masculine, but they're, by God, they're going to fucking really try. Well, and cuck, for those who, for, for, the, for the uninitiated related to the, <laughs> the swampy right-wing... Just incel yeah, yeah, yeah. territory online. It's a word. It's it's slang at this point um, yeah. online yeah. that it's used to convey many different things. I think depending on different communities, but really at the heart of it, it's like an insecure, weak man. But of course, it has different origins, and I, I think it's based on the word cuckold. Yeah. Um. So, but but that's basically what he's getting at, right? Weak, insecure men. Yeah. 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 Well, it's the, the the term also has white supremacy roots that uh, white culture is allowing uh, blacks in this country to rape our culture and take over. And we're just allowing it to happen. I've been called a cuck on YouTube. Goddamn hundred, literally hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. And this guy is he'd rather be dead than be a dork. Let me let me tell you, buddy. You're a little late to the party. You're already a fucking dork. So what's wrong? With, why don't you just put a mask on? What's wrong with being a dork? I don't. It's also that's like I don't know. What are we in middle school or something? Well, I don't. of course, of course. But if that's the if, if that's the that's the hill he's gonna die on. I mean, what's what's more dorky? If we're going at what's a dork? I think what's happening here is people are starting to think that that that. This guy and people like him represent a majority of people because we're looking at the president of the United States who's behaving in a similar fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thinking, okay, well, he must be influencing people to have this perspective, to have a similar perspective, which I think is, is likely the case, right? If you were to ask some of those people in that poll, 
why they believe it's a weakness, right? To kind of dig into that a little bit. I wonder how many would would talk about the influence of Donald Trump and maybe things that he has said or the administration and not wearing masks. Well, it's, I think it's all steeped in uh, rampant personal insecurity about their own masculinity and their manhood and their worth. And there's a whole bunch that goes into it. These people aren't secure. This dilly clown, he's not a secure individual. He's questioning him he, he, all day long. He, he's got a voice in his head that that is questioning his own worth and value and manliness and toughness and all the other bullshit. Because when you're secure, nothing's dorky or not dorky. It's just what it is. People are people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, fucking rather be dead than a dork. We would love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Speaking of those two contacts, we have some voicemails and possibly an email or two to get to. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. I am 50-year-old April from Cleveland. I called a couple of weeks ago about Joe Biden and this dilemma I have with my 70-year-old parents who think Biden's okay and my 20-something-year-old kids who like Bernie. And I just watched your YouTube video about Karl Rove and am so grateful that you did that because I think if I could send that to my 70-something-year-old dad who effing hates him, we might be getting on the same path of like a conversation that makes some sense. Um, I just love you guys so much. Thank you so much for everything that you do, the enlightenment, the reasonable arguments about what's going on in this world, everything. I just, I wait for you. I look for you. I find you on YouTube. I find you on my podcast when I can. You're great. Um, thank you so much. Don't need to say much else. Uh, Brittany and you are both the best part. And Popeye, eh, he's, I, I got a turd dog too. They're great. We love them. What are you going to do? All right. Thank you so much for everything you do. I appreciate it. And I um, will pass you on to everybody I know. Thank you. Thank you, April. That was a, a very nice voicemail to receive. And like we talked about, we love compliments. Who doesn't like a little compliment? They're once very, in a while? very nice. Now, <laughs> I am kind of concerned about your perception of Popeye because you kind of. Uh, <laughs> stopped after you said his name and you're like Ooh, i don't know about him but he is did she say turd oh she said she has a turd dog too yeah. so yeah in, in effect she did call him a t- he is a turd dog he is definitely a turd in many ways but we we love him and he's he's a good turd good turd boy his eyes are real bad today yeah he's definitely blind it's funny because one of his eyes is completely ruined it is just ruined and talk about what happened at the vet yeah because (laughs) so we adopted him and he was i think seven when we got him yeah and he we got him from a rescue and so we we don't know a lot about his history but we're assuming he wasn't very well taken care of because his eye, he, he's lost all vision in one of his eyes. And it looks pretty bad. You know, some days you can't even see, you can't differentiate the white from the brown. Like, it just looks like a marble in there. Yeah, like, yeah. Real cloudy. Mm-hmm. Almost like a thick, like it raises up from the actual eyeball. Yeah. Yeah. So we try to continue treating it even though 
the well, we don't the vision. Tr- we don't try to continue. To, we treat it every day with two different kinds of medication. Yeah, Let's- knowing that it's not ever going to get better. Yeah, his yeah, his yeah. eyesight is not going to return. But we're... Not to that eye. We're, we're trying, trying to, to save his other eye. Yeah, we're staving off the, 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 the ultimate bummer of this for this other eye, the good eye. Right. So we took him to the vet the other day to get his toenails clipped and his ears cleaned. And... When we picked him up, the the woman who was checking us out said, uh, yeah, they were really concerned about him. The tech said that they're concerned about his eye. It doesn't look very good. <laughs> like we didn't notice. Yeah. That he's got this eye that just gave up years ago. Yeah, his like <laughs> molten lava eye. <laughs> like, yeah, we're we're aware it's being treated. Yeah, had you checked the records, you would you would know that. That would have been a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, thank you, April. We appreciate it very much. Uh, we talked uh, um, either last episode or the episode before about uh, the, the the situation that we're facing right now with the election and the the possible scenarios surrounding a debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump and what that would look like in our socially distanced society and we got. Uh, we got a call on it. Hey, y'all. It's Carly from Texas. Uh, I just wanted to bring up something that Brittany briefly touched on in episode 672 about the prospect of Biden and Trump having a socially distanced debate um, with just the two of them on stage and a moderator. I have to say, I, I love this idea. And I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about it and whether there's like some disadvantage that I'm just not thinking of to this format. But to me, the idea of taking away Trump's audience so that his stupid quips and smart ass jabs that we all know he's going to try to make get no reaction other than maybe a moderator trying to push things along. I love that idea. I, I don't see any way that taking away his audience so that he's not getting this, you know, uproarious laughter when he talks about, you know, putting people in jail or whatever bullshit he comes up with this time. Um, I, I How is how is that going to hurt Biden? Is it going to hurt him? I don't I don't know. It, unless there's something that I'm just that should be glaringly obvious that I'm just not thinking of. I I very much am looking forward to the potential that this could happen this way. Uh, and just wondered what you guys think. Please let me know if there is something that I'm not considering because. I love it. The only thing that I could think of that would possibly make that any better is if there was some way to do like pop-up video style. And I'm probably aging myself by making a VH1 reference, but <laughs> <laughs> pop-up video style fact checking with little bubbles here and there would be just the best. But <laughs> I, I do not see any way that that could happen. So barring that, I think at least, you know, the prospect of crippling Trump by taking away uh, any kind of audience feedback in real time um, really can only benefit Biden. So let me know what you think. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. 
I think it'll definitely be an interesting experiment. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm trying the whole time I was trying to think, has there been a time where Donald Trump has not had an audience and still behaved poorly? And I can't think of an example, but I, I just can't imagine that. I just don't see it going well still, even without the audience. I don't know. I just feel like they're going to get into these petty back and forth bickering matches that then Jake Tapper is going to have to constantly intervene. Yeah. I just see it still being not great. I mean, I see what Carly's saying that it could go better for Joe Biden because he will likely be more composed and have less of an ego than Donald Trump. Certainly that I think is true that it'll go better for Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. But look, we watched Joe Biden how many times on the debate stage? Mm-hmm. He's not in top form, everybody. He's not. Donald Trump is going to just, he's not going to play by the rules. He's not going to answer questions. He's going to be a fucking maniac like he always does. And Joe Biden is either going to match that energy, which isn't going to be great. It's going to drag us all fucking down. Or he's going to try to, to be uh, better than everything. Which, he's not a fucking good debater. Well, and I, do you think they're going to coach him to, like, not say things about, let's take this outside the schoolyard yeah, they, or whatever? <laughs> like, he has made comments yeah. where he he has that impulse to want to go there with him. And I'm just wondering what they're going to say to him to help him not do that. Listen, it's no wonder Joe Biden has never been elected president of all the times he's run. Because... I've never heard a candidate say this phrase more often than Joe Biden. Well, you don't like it. Don't vote for me. Vote for somebody <laughs> else, buddy. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is that? Yeah. So yeah, listen, we're we are in uh we are in bizarre times. That 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 was a funny moment actually because he was asked if someone believes the Tara Reid allegations against you and is uncomfortable voting for you, what would you say to them? And he said I would tell them not to vote for me if they believe those allegations, right. because if I believe them, I wouldn't want to vote for me either. And I read that to you and you said, wow, he loves telling people not to vote for yeah. him, doesn't he? Yeah, it's just, <laughs> that's his go-to line. You know, I don't really like that tie. Well, then don't fucking vote for me, dude. I mean, it's you want everybody's vote. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the politician, it's like salesmanship 101. You're asking for the vote. They, they, they train these politicians to ask, to literally, physically ask for your vote. Maybe it's just a symptom of how honest Joe Biden is as a candidate. Yeah, he's super standout. I mean, I don't think he's riddled with ethics problems and like Donald Trump is, but come on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. thanks for the call, call Carly. We appreciate it. We, we will certainly be following that, and I expect everyone else will... Will be as well. Uh, next up, Kevin, Texas. Hey, uh, Justin and Brittany. It's me, Kevin, from Planet here in Texas once more. And I just wanted to talk about the Ahmed Aubrey case, the young black man that was murdered by uh, a white man and his son in Georgia um, because he happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time or I don't know, there's someone to murder, a black man to murder. It's, it's, it's 
truly, frankly, sickening when you have people like uh, the Kent State Gun Girl or others that are literally justifying this murder because there's like some footage of him going around a construction, uh, house under construction and just looking around when the homeowners already said nothing was stolen. And the two white men that murdered him saying that they did it because there's been burglaries recorded throughout the whole month in the neighborhood when there was only one recorded throughout the whole month prior to his murder. And these are the same people who whine about innocent of proven guilty when it came to Trump and the Russian investigation or the Ukraine scandal. Oh, you know, what happens to innocent until proven guilty, even though there's not only evidence to show Trump's guilt, but the man admitted it himself on like multiple occasions. And yet, when it comes to a human life, a human life, not, not only is it not guilty before proven innocent, it's, they should be murdered for stealing things. It, it's just, it just baffles the mind how one man, besides many crimes, deserves so much, um, you know, leniency. But this man can't even take a job without being murdered and having his murder justified because he went looking around in the house of construction. Well, I've seen many people say that they've done that when they were young. It just boils my blood. And and when Trump attacks like an Asian reporter, it doesn't make it any better. And the police in Georgia also did a horrible job. But, um, I hope you two are doing well during this pandemic. Just want to get my thoughts. Um, love you. Love Popeye. Love Jesse. But Brittany's the best. Love the show. Oh. Brittany's the best part. <laughs> you got cut off. Oh. It counts though. You got most of it out. It does. It does. <laughs> um, I I definitely share uh, Kevin's perspective there, and yeah. so much has come out about the Ahmed Arbery case, and uh, I want to talk about it. Kevin gave a great overview, but something recently came out that I find just fascinating, and I think it gets to the heart of what the issue is here um, with this case and with many other cases, but uh, several months before... Retired police officer Greg McMichael and his son Travis McMichael shot Ahmed Arbery in Georgia. The retired police officer Greg McMichael was enlisted by local police to help the owner of the construction site where, where Arbery was killed uh, to help him keep watch over hmm. the construction site. Yeah. Now, that that's disturbing to me. Right. He's a retired police officer. He lives near the building site and he's being enlisted by the police to, like, keep watch. Yeah. Right. And he said that he uh, is a retired law enforcement officer, retired investigator from the DA's office, and that he would be available day or night when the construction site owner got action on his camera. 
according to reporting from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. None of this makes any sense because th- this this homeowner of the building side, right? Larry English is his name. Larry English has, has has said multiple times in many interviews, nothing was stolen ever by anyone. There's no problem. Mm-hmm. He also released footage of. Arbery coming to the site several times in the months leading up to this and said that he appeared that it was looking for water. He was looking for water. Not only Arbery, but also little kids, families looking around, checking out the what's going on. Right, right. It, it wasn't unusual. It wasn't like, oh, it's that scary black guy. <laughs> it was fucking little kid, white kids on their bikes. It was the whole neighborhood's like, ah, new house is coming up. Let's check out what's going on here. Exactly, right. And so these text messages raise concerns about the close relationship between the McMichael family and the local police yeah. because obviously this was another instance where action was not taken until the video was released. Yeah. And then the internet blew it up. And then action was taken. And this this keeps happening. I mean, it's a pattern, right? If it's not on video, That's right. nothing is going to be done. That's right. And this guy had a connection to the local police. And he was protected. That's what it appears, right? Because he's a former cop. And because he maintained a close relationship with the cops. They hunted down and killed this young man. And they were getting away with what clearly to me appears to be murder. So if people have watched the video, I mean, it's it's very difficult to watch. But, I mean, put yourself in his shoes, right? That two dudes... Yeah, yeah, two dudes are approaching you armed. They have their guns out and they're in a truck and they're coming after you. A and couple they approach of white you, guys. Right. Yeah. And this is the heart of this issue. The citizen's arrest law. Uh, no. It's a weird one. Yeah. No. No. Well, because you, you hear the same arguments from people who are defending these um, fine, upstanding citizens. And they're saying, well, all he had to do was comply and he wouldn't have been killed. Everything would have been fine. Right. The same people who have don't tread on me tattooed on their chest. Yeah. The same people who are outraged and storming state capitals because they have to fucking wear a mask or they can't get their hair cut in the time that they think they should. Right. Are saying if he only had complied. Well, listen, that argument doesn't really even work with when there's an actual cop involved. Mm-hmm. It certainly doesn't fucking work when it's just some civilian and his fucking dopey's kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why does why does anyone have a compulsion, have a have an obligation to just comply when te- someone tells you, "Hey, come here, I want to talk to you." Fuck you, dude. You're some random on the street. I don't need to comply. <laughs> come on. So get rid of that. Get rid of the the citizens arrest thing. That's my my position on yeah. this issue. But also the guy who recorded the video, William Roddy Bryan Jr. Just hours ago. Yeah, he has been arrested on suspicion of murder, according to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. And he had been making the rounds, well his attorney had been making the rounds talking about how these arrests wouldn't have happened without his video, that he, you know, shouldn't be arrested, that he wasn't a part of this, that he was a part of he this. played an important role in, in ensuring right. that these two individuals were apprehended. He was just a concerned citizen, y'all. Right. Get the fuck out of here. So that appears to not be the case. Um, 
we'll see how it goes. So we're going to continue to watch it. Yeah, and- I really hope justice is served here in this case. Yeah, and we appreciate Kevin for sending in that voicemail. We we've been wanting to talk about it. We also each day new information was coming out, and we wanted to be able to kind of pool that together and talk about it all in one segment like this. Yeah. And so we appreciate Kevin pushing us to do that. Yeah, he also really summed it up nicely. So. Absolutely, yeah. Kevin, always a great contributor. We appreciate you very much. We also forgot uh, to congratulate Carly on her new baby. Oh, yeah, that's right. So we want to give a congratulations and a shout out to Carly. Uh, baby's first pandemic, I believe, was the right. the... The onesie. The, the onesie yeah. on the baby, yeah. Uh, very cute. And congratulations. We're, we're wishing you all health and safety during this time. She also had a baby just a couple of years, maybe two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. And those these two babies, I, I think it's some freak of science that she had identical twins years apart. Yeah? The, they are. <laughs> it is remarkable mm. how, how, how twinish they are. Is twinish? Sure. Are we going? I think you just made it a thing. You just made it a thing. All right. Do we have any emails? Because we have one one last voicemail. We do not. All right. Last voicemail. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. It's Gilly from Colorado. Um, A couple of things. I'm listening to 672. Currently, I'm just getting to the uh, listener voicemails. Um, talking about uh, losing your faith and how people tend to be kind of angry afterwards. And it's kind of like you're grieving a loss. Um, and you're going through the, for some people who grew up super religious and it was so important to them, um, losing that, uh, it's like death. Uh, and they go through those, those stages and, you know, depending on where they're at in their grieving process, um, that's why you get people who are angry or, um, accepting or, uh, sad or in denial or what have you, um, and then I did want to make a point. I think it was 671. I don't think it was this episode, but I've been listening to this episode, like, to and from work, so I don't know where I'm at. Um, 671, uh, the, the gal that was talking about, um, believe all women is, I don't think that's the phrase. It's believe women. Um, and I just, that, that kind of distinction, uh, I thought was important. Uh, you guys are great. I super appreciate you. I hope you're being safe. Uh, until next time. Yeah, this this rings true with me about the grieving thing. I think that the but the grieving doesn't necessarily have to be that you you no longer have religion. For me, when I was going through my thing, it was it was more of um, just kind of a, a a resentment of being lied to for for my what I believed to be my entire life, and and really also you know being raised in a cultish weird. Uh, white nationalist or, you know, uh, American nationalist type of Christianity, not just a global Christianity with love for mankind. And that really didn't sit well coming out of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think it is true, though, that, that some people do come out of it mourning that they don't have religion. I, I've heard people often talk about how they wish they did believe. How they wish they could go back yeah. and like flip a switch and just turn it back on because of the comfort or peace or community in, in different aspects that they feel have been lost as a result of no longer believing. 
Yeah, that's something that uh, Brett, Brett number one, and I have talked about uh, on many occasions. That there, there's really something special about being shoulder to shoulder with with fellow congregants uh, in a group of, of faithful individuals in a, like a worship service. That's mm-hmm. there's some there's some synergy there. There's some some kind of magic thing that happens there that you you just feel really fucking good. And well, uh, you know, if I could flip the switch, I mean, I would not want to. But you know, you do lose that feeling, that community, that there's there's a bond there. Well, and I'm I'm interested to see. I know that Sunday assembly is something that exists for the unaffiliated, and I'm eager to see as that population grows, the unaffiliated, the nuns, N O N E S, not N U N. Wait, what did I just? I don't remember. Yeah, N O N E S rather than N U N. Yeah, yeah. And as that population continues to grow, I'm eager to see. What kind of changes and developments can be made there to to make Sunday yeah. assembly better and more appealing, or at least on let's be selfish about it, more appealing to me <laughs> because hanging out with a bunch of people st- singing fucking Steve Miller band songs isn't really my idea of uh, a, 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 of a, a good use of my time. Well, I mean, you can go to a church and have I, I went to a church here in Southern California very uh, soon after I moved here, actually, and they sang Jet Airliner by Steve Miller Band. Yeah, that's putting fucking lipstick on a pig, man. Well, I'm just saying you don't need to go to Sunday Assembly for that. <laughs> they do I that. See, I see what you're saying. <laughs> they do that at church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can get your Steve Miller Band fix at church. If you have to have a Steve Miller Band fix. We is. all need a Steve Miller Band fix. Just admit it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some songs right now to make fun of it, and I can't. Abracadabra? Oh, yeah, Abracadabra. Well, you can always listen to Sugar Ray. They did a pretty good cover. We know how much you love Sugar Ray. Yeah, it's my favorite band. Mm -hmm. All right, everybody. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, as always, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We would like to thank Isabel. Isabel. Isabel for the donation on PayPal. Yeah. And then we would also like to thank our two latest Patreon supporters, Kenneth. Kenneth. And Rudy. Rudy. Thank you so much to Kenneth, Rudy, and Isabel for your support of the show. I might want to point out, I've been asked this. A couple of people have messaged me this week on uh, my couple of different, I have too many fucking email addresses, but uh, asking where do people give the, the PayPal donation? And it's actually on the website. There's the support the show tab at the top. Uh, and that's where you do it. There's a link right to the PayPal thing. So. Right. So thank you to each and every one of you. We very much appreciate your support, whether it be through Patreon, PayPal, shopping on Amazon, or just listening to the show, liking the Facebook page. I doubt it with Dollamore podcast, sharing the episodes from the Facebook page, liking the links on the Facebook page. Uh, following us on Twitter at I Doubt It Podcast, at Dollamore, at Brittany E. Page. 
same handles for Instagram. We love to connect with you guys. We love to be in touch. And we post content regularly to Facebook, hoping to initiate conversations, provide you material that you can share to your own pages to initiate conversations, to participate in advocacy, and not just slacktivism, right? Because we're hoping to have positive conversations. Well, let me say something about the slacktivism thing is... There is true slacktivism where you're not really, really doing anything. But, you know, in cases like this um, uh, Ahmaud Arbery thing, some right. people would consider that fucking slacktivism. That they're share- they're making this video go viral, which forces Georgia to fucking do something about this. Th- that's that's real. Yeah, that's there, a real effect. There is power in having conversations online. And yeah. we talked about this with the pandemic video. And how demoralizing it can be at times to engage in these conversations and feeling like you're just going in circles, but it's important and you never know who you're influencing. So we would advise you to keep going even in moments of frustration because those conversations are important. The other thing that you can do to support this program is leave a rating and review on iTunes, what is now Apple Podcasts. When do you think I'm going to stop calling it iTunes, Brittany Page? The answer is never. Probably never. Our latest is definitely add this show, and then it cuts off. But the, the review is very funny, touching, and informative. This is a great show. I highly recommend our, our latest review. Very nice. Yeah, I, listen, all of that's great. What sticks with me is touching. Mm-hmm. And I'm not being a a dick about it Mm -hmm. i love that people are touched by what we do here and that's uh, to me that's the highest compliment Mm -hmm. without a doubt so thank you uh totter 19 Mm -hmm. yeah i love that i don't want to uh ruin the beautiful moment that you had there but (laughs) here here i go here you go what came to mind for me while you were talking about that we just watched school of rock the other day it's all the fuck we need and (laughs) it's when jack black is doing the parent-teacher thing and he's like i've, I've been touched oh, by your yeah. kids <laughs> and i'm pretty sure that i've touched them too and then they all like start crying and chase him out of the room how great is that movie though Yo, listen it, it is one more in a in a long line that seems to be continuing of us re re revisiting movies that we've watched in the past and for sure a good fucking movie it's a comfort watch for me and we i both cried in the like finale at the rock concert at the end. I was surprised because I started crying as soon as they were playing. And usually I cry when Tamika comes out on stage to sing her solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's usually where I cry. I cried when I saw the movie in the movie theater when Tamika came out on stage. Yeah. So great film. Very moving film. Great film. Beautiful film. Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Moving on. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So have you heard Donald Trump talking about unmasking? Have you heard Republicans running their sucks about unmasking and Obamagate? <laughs> I've seen so many people sharing the Kaylee McEnany five minutes where she goes through all of the different Obama scandals. Yeah, and they'll do all the, of the scandals. They'll do the classic <laughs> thing where they're like. I'm not a Trump supporter, but I'm here to defend Donald Trump. Right, right, right. right. And, and th- th- it- th- those people start every fucking post with, I'm not a Trump supporter, but... 
Yeah, I see it on Facebook. I see it on Twitter. I see it all over the place. It's so common. But Kaylee McEnany is doing something that is unique that I think Sarah Huckabee Sanders didn't do. Oh, yeah. She's extra brazen. And the reason I'm skipping over Stephanie Grisham is because, well, we never saw her. I don't even know what her (laughs) fucking voice sounds like. Yeah, we have no idea what she looks like, sounds like. Did she even exist? We don't even... She's not a real person. She's an apparition. Yeah, she's like a robot or something. But Kaylee McEnany is an attorney. Harvard. Went to fucking Harvard, this ding dong. Yeah, and she had previously worked for the campaign, and you keep making this point, Jesse, that this is why they hired her. Yeah, because it's campaign time. It's campaign time. Yeah. She's an effective communicator. Now, listen, effective communication does not mean that you are an honest communicator. Right, right, yeah. It just means you are effective with manipulation yes. and appealing to emotionality and using tools of communication to make your point and sound convincing. Without a doubt. And she has somehow been very successful at that, particularly surrounding this issue that you're talking about. The Susan Rice, Obama administration, scandal, Obamagate. (laughs) Scandal. You know, someone talked about, Ah. I saw a tweet about uh, adding gate to everything. Like, do people think the Watergate scandal was about water? I think is what the tweet said. (laughs) Because he keeps adding gate to everything. To everything. To make it a scandal. You know? It's goddamn Corona gate. Yeah. It's because it was the Watergate Hotel guy. What's what's happening? That so, was a tweet. It wasn't my original joke, just yeah. so everyone knows. So um can't steal content. I found this clip from CNN, John Avalon. Well, I, I I think he's a pretty straight down the it's a lot of times I disagree with this guy. He's married to Margaret Hoover. Yeah, the, the great granddaughter of Herbert Hoover, former president. She is pretty pretty conservative. I, I I don't think that they're, I mean, our super lefty listeners would think that they're conservative, but I kind of, cons- I mean, they're more conservative than me. Are you looping them together? They have the same political persuasion? No, but I'm saying they are both more conservative than I am. I see. But Margaret- and that most of our listeners, especially the lefty, lefty ones, would consider them both very conservative. Margaret Hoover- however, is more conservative than John Avalon, I yes. would say. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm not saying they have the same views. Right, right. But they are both more conservative than I am. And John Avalon, by the way, just because we keep talking about him, is a journalist. Yes. Yes. So uh, sh- uh, John Avalon, I found this clip from CNN where he kind of goes through this. It's almost an explainer of what went on with what Donald Trump is considering Obamagate and Susan Rice and this unmasking thing. And I thought it was worth uh, playing for you guys. In search of a scandal to fit the slogan Obamagate, earlier this week, Republican senators requested that the acting director of national intelligence declassify an email that a former Obama national security advisor, Susan Rice, had sent herself on inauguration day. The implication was that this would be a smoking gun that would unlock the often alleged conspiracy to spy on the incoming administration. But rarely have we seen a supposed smoking gun fizzle as fast as the declassified Susan Rice emails. Now, the email memorialized a January 5th, 2017 Oval Office meeting, which included then-Vice President Joe Biden, after an intelligence briefing on Russia's interference in our election. At issue was the then-undisclosed contacts between incoming National Security Advisor Michael Flynn and the Russian ambassador which ultimately got Flynn fired for lying 24 days into the administration and led to his guilty plea before his prosecution was abandoned by A.G. Bulbar earlier this month. But instead of proving nefarious wrongdoing, 
Rice's emails show that behind closed doors, President Obama emphasized his continued commitment to ensuring that every aspect of this issue is handled by intelligence and law enforcement communities by the book. According to Rice, President Obama stressed that he's not asking about, initiating, or instructing anything from a law enforcement perspective. In a portion that had previously been classified, Obama asked then-FBI Director James Comey if concerns about Flynn's contacts with the Russians meant that the National Security Council should not pass sensitive information related to Russia to Flynn. Rice wrote that Comey replied, potentially, adding that he had no indication thus far that Flynn has passed classified information to Kislyak, but he noted that the level of communication is unusual. Yes, it is unusual to have an incoming national security advisor have repeated undisclosed contacts with an ambassador from a country that had just interfered in our elections to benefit the president-elect. As our colleague Chris Eliza summed up, the Rice email shows that Obama team were caught red-handed following the rules. Now, in a sane political world, Republican senators would have made like Emily Latella and said, well, that's different. Yes. Never mind. But we live in the Trump era. And so instead, Senator Ted Cruz tweeted, Wow, ongoing spying from an outgoing POTUS on the incoming POTUS directed by Obama himself is unprecedented. Nope. The email showed nothing of the sort. But Ted Cruz's tweet showed how little facts matter in this silly season. Now, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell just said he's backing a new round of subpoenas against Obama administration officials. But if the truth is what he's really after... McConnell could request the release of the Flint-Kislyak conversations, as Rice and others have suggested, or explain his resistance to making a bipartisan statement condemning Russian interference before the elections, as the latest Senate Intelligence Committee report shows. Or we could all just admit that this effort to investigate the Obama administration is an attempt to distract and deflect from the Trump administration's own self-inflicted scandals. And that's your reality check. Exactly. And I just realized that we keep calling him John Avalon and there's no, it's A-V-L-O-N, Avalon. Avalon, yeah. So maybe we should stop doing that. He's not a Toyota car. (laughs) Isn't there a Toyota Avalon? I think so, yeah. (laughs) So Kaylee McEnany keeps asking this question. She keeps saying to the press, why aren't you guys covering this? Why is there silence on this issue? Yeah. And the reason is because, well, if I could speak for the media that I'm not a part of, (laughs) here's what I'm hoping the answer is that we don't want a do over of Hillary's emails. Okay. This is a non-issue. And why should the media spend countless hours talking about something that is not as important as everything else that's going on because it's a non-issue. Yeah. 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 And that's what Donald Trump wants. Just like John Avalon said Avalon. that it is a distraction. And that's what Donald Trump wants. He wants to distract. And so he's trying to bring up Obamagate to take away from all of his own personal failures related to coronavirus. That's been his strategy. The entire presidency is dist- giant scandal. Say something crazy that the, 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 the media will tra- trail after and ignore the real story. Yeah. The entire presidency has been that. So let's, let's read this email because Susan Rice sent this email. She wrote it and sent it to herself and CC'd another individual on it. Because of not being an administration that was afraid of transparency. Well, no. everything was on the record. They wanted things to be, to logged. Well, you know how when you're trying to cover up something that you did wrong, 
and yeah you make a record of it yeah you make a record of it and send it to yourself through an email system that you know everything is being recorded yeah yeah that's typically the process yeah and by the way when you hear this email talk about anodyne talk about there is fucking nothing here it is absolutely above board these are responsible government officials talking about something with sober minds Uh, it is really trying to make this into something is a scandal in and of itself on january 5th following a briefing by ic leadership on russian hacking during the 2016 presidential election president obama had a brief follow-up conversation with fbi director jim comey and deputy attorney general sally yates in the oval office vice president biden and i were also present president obama began the conversation by stressing his continued commitment to ensuring that every aspect of the- this issue is handled by the intelligence and law enforcement communities quote by the book the president stressed that he is not asking about initiating or instructing anything from a law enforcement perspective. He reiterated that our law enforcement team needs to proceed as it normally would by the book. From a national security perspective, however, President Obama said he wants to be sure that as we engage with the incoming team, we are mindful to ascertain if there is any reason that we cannot share information fully as it relates to Russia. Director Comey affirmed that he is proceeding, quote, by the book as it relates to law enforcement. From a national security perspective, Comey said he does have some concerns that incoming NSA Flynn is speaking frequently with Russian Ambassador Kislyak. Comey said that could be an issue as it relates to sharing sensitive information. President Obama asked if Comey was saying that the NSC should not pass sensitive information related to Russia to Flynn. Comey replied, potentially. Potentially. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'll talk about it afterwards. He added that he has no indication thus far that Flynn has passed classified information to Kislyak, but he noted that, quote, the level of communication is unusual. The president asked Comey to inform him if anything changes in the next few weeks that should affect how we share classified information with the incoming team. Comey said he would. And that's it. And that's it. Wow. Listen to these measured, reasonable individuals who are not jumping to to, to judgment. What's this by the book phrase mean? <laughs> I'm curious about that. It came up like three or four also, times. Also, Michael Flynn, this is the other thing that drives me fucking insane. Donald Trump continued, oh, he's a good man, Michael Flynn, treated like a witch hunt, uh, bad times, everybody. <laughs> then why'd you fucking fire him if he was such an honorable man, Donald Trump? You're, you're a big, tough, strong man who doesn't get pushed around by, by convention or by the press or by other politics. Why did you fire him? Well, I remember a tweet that continues to be passed around related to this issue. And Donald Trump had stated that he had to fire Flynn because he lied to the vice president. Right. And it was very you know, like honorable men do. It was very unfortunate because he didn't have a reason to lie because everything was lawful. And it's so unfortunate. <laughs> you know, how people lie about stuff they don't need to lie about. It happens all the time. Also, listen, Russians... Absolutely, we all know, did absolutely interfere in our election. They fucking did. There there are indictments. 31 indictments or something of Russian individuals and companies. Um, why would he be ha- having undisclosed conversations with the former ambassador to the United States from Russia, Sergei Kislyak? Why? Why? 
And if they were so benign, if they were so harmless, why lie about them, you fucking traitor to your country? So here's the important thing for me. Je- that's Jesse's important thing. And here's the important thing for me. <laughs> the important thing for me is that... <laughs> okay. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. <laughs> Every time I listen to that, I just love how casual Haas is about saying all that. <laughs> yeah. Very, very impressive. Since uh, we're now in the, the business, since I always now am in the business, let's, let's re- rephrase that, of giving some plugs, mm-hmm. let's talk about Haas and Samson yeah. and their group, yeah. their awesome pu- uh, punk band, mm-hmm. uh, Franks and Deans, they do covers of like crooner songs. Yeah. Yep. And the, the, the arrangement is awesome. Anyway. They're very talented. Franks and Deans, Las Vegas, Nevada. Like them on Facebook. If you like punk, goddamn, mm-hmm. this is your jam. This is fucking awesome. For sure. And, um, and yeah, like them on Facebook. Anyway, proceed. I'm sorry. Yeah. So my, my main thing here is Donald Trump wants to use this to overwhelm people, right? There's all, there's already so much that people are worried about. They're worried about the pandemic. They're worried about financial instability. They're worried about the economy. That's what we're going to talk about next. Many people are worried just about life in general right now because it's hard. And he wants to funnel more information onto the internet so that people become so fatigued that they don't have the energy anymore to read about all this, right? Yeah. What is this Susan Rice business? What is this unmasking? What is, oh my, what is all this? Yeah, because if you see Obamagate, 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 Obamagate a million times. Right. By the way, I'm pretty impressed with that many times said that quickly. Yeah, very impressive. Uh, You're going to, some people are going to begin to believe, oh, there must be something to that. There must be something to that because I've seen Obamagate 400,000 times this month. Well, and for people in the media that are saying this boosts Trump's attacks, that this gives him, quote, an election issue, no, it does not. Please stop doing his work for him. Yeah, absolutely. You're not working for his campaign. Why don't you stick to the facts? Or are you? Or are you? Fucking journalists. Well, so I just, I think it's important to take a step back. It, know that it is possible to <laughs> take just a small amount of time to look it up <laughs> and and know what's going on and hopefully by us talking about it that that has helped somewhat and kind of break it down a little bit but it, it's tough right to juggle all of these concerns yes and like you said we're going to be talking about the economy next and this is something that I think about all the time and I feel like my feed the last few days has been like singularly focused on <laughs> issues related to poverty and eviction and yeah, real, stamps. real problems that affect real people's lives right now. Right. And I important hope, shit. I hope people don't look at it and think, wow, this is like a downer. She's really consumed by negative news right now, <laughs> because here's what I see that as. I see that as informing people of why it's important to get involved in politics yes change the system because these unemployment numbers that are coming out the suffering that we have with people fearing for their housing when they're behind on rent 
and they're no longer yeah. protected by eviction moratoriums and they have to pay back all that back rent that they owe their landlords. There's going to be bad times here. Yeah. And the government has not done enough. And so we we found this really great package from PBS NewsHour with Yamish Alcendor talking about the latest unemployment numbers this week. The COVID-19 pandemic has reached yet another grim milestone as the number of confirmed cases worldwide surpassed the 5 million mark. That comes as the U.S. Labor Department announced its own staggering statistic. 38.6 million Americans have filed for unemployment benefits in the past nine weeks. Yamish Alcindor begins our coverage. As businesses across the country prepare for gradual reopenings, the number of Americans filing for unemployment appears to be leveling off. The Labor Department said 2.4 million Americans filed claims this past week. That is a drastic drop from the surge seen late in March. But those numbers are still sky high. And the toll COVID-19 is having on the economy overall remains vast. More than 38 million workers sought jobless benefits in the past nine weeks. Today, before he left for a trip to Michigan, President Trump said the country would soon be on the path to recovery. The numbers are going to be very good into the future. Uh, we're going to be very strong starting with our transition period, which will be probably June, June, July. He was on the defensive after the release of a Columbia University model. It estimated nearly 36,000 deaths could have been prevented if social distancing policies had been enforced just one week earlier. I was way early. Uh, Columbia is an institution that's uh, very liberal. Uh, it's a, uh, I think it's just a political hit job, you want to know the truth. Researchers at Columbia University said if lockdowns had been imposed just two weeks earlier, 83% of the nation's deaths could have been avoided. But at that time, a number of leaders, including those at the country's epicenter of the crisis, stood back. Relax. We're doing great. It all will pass. We want people still to go on about their lives. As the virus quietly subsumed their cities. Today, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio said he regrets not having more information on the virus. I wish we had known so much more uh, in January, February, beginning of March. I wish we had the testing that would have told us what was going on. I mean, right now, we're not sure when this disease started to be present in the city. It, we thought it was March, and now more and more it looks like it was February or even late January. And we just didn't have the testing to be able to give us the full picture. Dr. Ashish Jha is the director of the Harvard Global Health Institute. He said no model will be completely right, but there is no doubt delays and inaction had a significant impact. This is the entire point of exponential growth in, in uh, outbreaks like this. If you think of a doubling time of five days, it means that in, by delaying by 10 days, you had four times the number of cases, four times the number of deaths. Or if we had closed 10 days earlier, we would have had a quarter of the deaths that we ended up having. So, Meanwhile, President Trump traveled to the city of Ypsilanti, some 40 miles outside of Detroit. There he met with African-American leaders from the area. Black people and people of color remain disproportionately impacted by the coronavirus. African-American communities have been hit very hard, including in Detroit. He also toured a Ford motor plant where workers are now producing ventilators in response to the virus. He wore a mask during a private viewing of some vehicles, but he later removed it during the remainder of the visit. 
Those containment efforts have entirely reshaped the country. Today, the Transportation Security Administration released new procedures for airport screenings. The agency is urging travelers to wear face masks and to scan their own boarding passes. People are also urged to keep carry-on food items in clear plastic bags to prevent agents from handling their belongings. Control measures like these are playing out across the globe as the tally of infections surpasses 5 million. And countries with fragile health systems are bearing the brunt. By the weekend, cases across the continent of Africa could top 100,000. The Africa Centers for Disease Control and Prevention warned the continent needs to be testing about 10 times the number of people already tested. For the PBS NewsHour, I'm Yamish Alcendor. Yamish is the best. We love Yamish. I, I really do. She is. I always use the phrase intrepid journalist because it's kind of something that's said. Mm-hmm. But she is. She's a fucking boss. Mm-hmm. To face down Donald Trump while he's denigrating you and shaming you and shitting on you and just being bold and aggressive is fucking awesome. Absolutely. So fearless. I want to talk about those employment unemployment numbers because all of this economic strife and financial instability that Americans are experiencing is happening in a context in which prior to the pandemic, 40% of Americans could not handle an unexpected $400 expense yeah. without borrowing money from a friend, putting it on a credit card, um, or just or just not paying fucked. the yeah. bill. So that was before the pandemic. 40% of Americans couldn't do that. And now we have these unemployment numbers, which are staggering. Yeah, staggering. And the government is just not doing enough. And that includes Democrats and Republicans. Absolutely. When and we're, 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 we're putting through financial stimulus packages where we're giving payday lenders the ability to cash in on these fucking stimulus checks. Fuck off. Well, all of you. I, I, I'm getting concerned specifically related to the housing issue because yeah, yeah eviction moratoriums are great. Right. Giving people an opportunity to say, hey, I can't make my rent this month and they won't be shoved out into the streets. That's great. But unfortunately, they still need to make those rent payments. So they're piling up. Right. If they couldn't make their rent for April, they couldn't make their rent for May. They couldn't make their rent for June. I mean, in Southern California, we're talking oh, yeah. about getting up to $10,000 behind in rent. Yeah, at that I mean, point. listen, a one-bedroom apartment here where we live, and I don't even think we're as expensive as L.A., uh, a one-bedroom apartment here is like $1,800. I mean, Katie Porter talks about this, too, yeah. right? In in Irvine, where she lives, which is close to here, um, someone who is working full-time at Chase Bank was the example that she That's used. Because right. it was yeah, when I she was that. talking to Jamie Dimon that... Jamie Diamond? Is that ja- right? Jamie Diamond, yeah. That- Not Diamond, but Diamond. Yeah, I think I was saying Diamond, but... D-I-M-O-N, I think his yeah, last that's, name that's is. Yeah, that's right. Uh, someone working full-time as a bank teller for... Facts first, Brittany. Facts first. Yes, for his bank. <laughs> couldn't afford an apartment in Irvine, in Southern right. California. Where she works! Where she fucking works! Right, so it's just... I'm... I'm confused by the way that this has been handled especially when other countries seem to have figured it out the government could have paid employers money to keep their employees on the books and continue to pay them 
there's so many things that they could be doing that they're failing to do. And I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm hopeful that they will get their shit together and that the people will rise up specifically related to the poor people's campaign, which uh, is coming up here in June, the virtual meeting that was supposed to be a March on DC. And I hope more people get involved and start to funnel that rage that we talked about that Jesse feels on a regular basis at the beginning of the show into political activism. Yes. Because that is how we make these changes happen. Absolutely. All right. Wrapping it up. It's the asshole of today. Tom Brady. Tom Brady, the first time on I Doubt It with Dollamore podcast. Well, normally sportsmen are not... Sportsmen, you say? ...are not included in this segment. Is that not what they're called? Sportsmen. Mm-hmm. I think he's an athlete. I wouldn't... Oh, that's right. Athlete. <laughs> sportsman. A participator of sports. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he is... And it's not even because he's like a weirdo who doesn't eat nightshades and tomatoes or whatever. It's he for has... another reason. For he... a real, legitimate reason. Listen, whatever he's doing for his diet is working. In fact, if he's taking these vitamins that he's trying to sell to people that cure coronavirus, they're doing something great for his skin. Okay? Listen, what he's doing is an asshole thing because it's dangerous as fuck because... Go ahead. I'm sorry. So he is selling... Fucking Tom Brady. He is selling vitamins, supplements, whatever you want to call them. He announced it is called Protect. That is the name of the vitamins that he is selling. Mm -hmm. And according to this Orlando Weekly article, the vitamins essentially contain the same ingredients as a a 12-pack of emergency. (laughs) But they're more targeted toward the current crisis. So, yeah. well, well, he's he, he's using certain phrases like it will activate your immune system. Well, immunity. He's using the word immunity during a global pandemic where people are fearing for their health and their lives. This is no different than Alex Jones. This is no different than Jim Baker. He's trying to make a buck off what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I I was struggling a little bit with those comparisons, but as I was kind of trying to argue with myself in my brain for a microsecond that I had before I had to respond to you because of the silence, um, I, yeah, there really isn't a big difference because he is capitalizing on a vulnerable moment it's to a, try to make some money. It's his own brand, by the way. Yes, it's... it's TB12 brand. Yes. Tom Brady 12. Yes, it's being co-released under the the TB12 brand and nutrition startup Vital Fit, which his company acquired back in January. But so he announced this on Twitter. He said, quote, protect is our new immunity blend supplement created to support a healthy immune system to help you stay strong. Check it out. You're going to love it. (laughs) It's a non FDA approved homeopathic medley of vitamins that will activate, like you said, your immune system. Come mm-hmm. on. So the timing of this is really what you're focused on with the Jim Baker, Alex Jones comparisons. Because it is, I mean, it's he's promoting this in the context of a pandemic where yeah. people are afraid, where Can people I- want to be protected. Well, let me read this from the tweet underneath the tweet, uh, like in the where it populates from the link that he posts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from the Vital Fit trademarked 
uh, by TB12 Trademark Protect TB12 Sports. Due to circumstances beyond our control related to COVID-19, orders containing this item may take an additional three to five business days. So they're invoking the name. They're invoking language about COVID when advertising their product. That is a problem. Uh, evidently, Tom Brady also once endorsed a sports drink that claimed uh, concussion protection. Oh, so my God. He's not necessarily in the business of promoting scientifically sound <laughs> products or supplements or drinks. Apparently. How is this any different than Alex Jones or with his fucking colloidal silver toothpaste or Jim Baker selling the colloidal silver fucking bullshit blend which deactivates they said coronavirus well that's why we have this segment so yeah. that we can talk about people who are attempting to take advantage of fucking grift. vulnerable people in a difficult situation so tom brady welcome to your first time appearance in this segment and we hope that you will stop and shame the fuck on you tom brady we're not even going to talk about all your cheating but again, your coach the, is cheating. The skin, very, very shiny and just clear and very nice. Very, very nice. How good. That's good job. Fantastic. Good job with that. All right, everybody. We're in it there. We'd love to hear from you. 657. Radiance. 464. Radiant complexion. 7609. Glowing. Email. I doubt it. Oh, you got. That's it. I'm running out of things. I to doubt say. it at Talamore.com. <laughs> We probably pissed off a whole lot of New Englanders. They're fine. <laughs> They're going to be fine. Everything's all right. Brett number two and Allison might just stop listening to the show altogether. Oh, no, they wouldn't. After this. The they, longest they, listeners of the show. Five years. This is going to be the thing. Yeah, that this is it. I I think there's plenty of other things that have been said. Don't that... talk about Tom Brady. I can't fucking do the That's fucking Boston not gonna... thing. This terrible what accent. What is happening? I am the worst. Wow. I apologize we're going to have to wrap the show. It's... Like, for good. We'd never do another episode after that Boston accent. <laughs> that was not good. God damn. We can't let it in like that, though. Yeah, we do. That's it. You we'll, got something we'll be else? Back. No, no, no. Not for this one. We'll be back because we can't have this be the last thing that people remember is your horrific accent. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. All right. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore. This has been I Doubt It. Well, I got a number. How do you like them, man? <laughs> <laughs>